Soulful Sparks Radio. Because sometimes all you need is a gentle nudge, a kind word to keep your flame alive. What are normal waking hours? And who decides? Or do we each need to find our own unique rhythms that suit our soul and support conscious daily living? Hi, I'm Soulful Wizardess Marta Stemberger, and you're listening to Soulful Sparks Radio. Welcome. Let's begin with my soulful verse inspired by Rob Steiner's Calendar of the Soul for the first week of the Soul's annual pilgrimage. Yes, it begins today on Easter Sunday. My highest self speaks to me in thought impressions. My soul intuits the light and sparkles with joy arising. I reach beyond the shadows with inspired thoughts. Ever so slightly, gently, I connect with the spirit's flow. If you would like to see the image and read the article that goes with this week's verse, visit Soulful Sparks of Inspiration online at soulfulsparks.hamoves.net. Soulfulsparks.hamoves.net. I see Easter as the merging of the conscious and subconscious. The moment when we overcome sadness, pain and death and embrace life and joy. We have been working on our inner chambers since the winter solstice. And now it's time to bring our thoughts and feelings into conscious actions in the world of matter. Life is a never-ending spiral. Hopefully, we are more aware of the spiritual processes today than we were last year at Easter. So that, step by step, we can live more and more in the Spirit's flow every moment in our lives. In that spirit, in the spirit of awakening consciousness, let's look at the most basic human need, our sleep. We all need to sleep. I think we all agree on that one. But how do we know when and for how many hours? Is the normal pattern to wake up when the sun rises and go to sleep as the sun sets? If that's the case, then people at the equator would sleep 12 hours every day. And people closer to the poles would have a more uneven sleep rhythm 
through the years. People in Iceland, for example, would barely sleep during the summer and would be in bed most of the winter. We know that's not the case. If we look at the animal kingdom, we observe that not all animals sleep at night. Cats don't. And mockingbirds don't either, especially not during the nesting seasons. <laughs> and I have actually discovered that this past week. All of a sudden, there are these mockingbirds in our backyard right here in Brooklyn. They start singing loud and boisterous at midnight. And they just go on till 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> It's it's incredible. Um, <laughs> I think last night was the first night when I actually said to myself, if I want to get some real sleep, I need to put earplugs plugs into my ears because these, these guys are just full of energy in the middle of the night. You know, just one example that not everything in nature sleeps at night. Even among the plants, there are some flowers that bloom at night, and others, like sunflowers, follow the sun faithfully. Among humans, we find that some of us tend to stay up late and some go to bed early. Is there something wrong with those of us who burn the midnight oil on a regular basis? If you go to a medical doctor, either allopathic, that is traditional mainstream Western medicine, or a homeopathic or naturopathic practitioner, they'll be encouraging you to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night or so. So is sleeping from 10 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock at night and se to 7 o'clock in the morning the only normal pattern? Does that mean then that those of us who go to bed at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and then sleep till 10 or 11 o'clock, even till noon, that we are in need of a medical treatment? Hmm. But let's step back a little bit and look at the bigger picture. Most of the pharmaceutical factories who would actually produce your drug to cure insomnia are operating non-stop which means that they require about one-third of their workers to be fully awake and alert from 10 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning, which is the night shift. And in hospitals, too, the night shift nurses and physicians need to be fully awake the whole night. So again... What is a normal sleep pattern, and who decides? It seems 
that the prevalent code of normal waking hours still follows the schedule set by medieval monks in Europe. Rise and set with the sun. Unless, when the manufacturing and care needs dictate otherwise. Okay, I understand the need for the care workers in hospitals to be up at night. But many factories operate non-stop out of pure greed, if you excuse me. And I would also add that forcing people to believe that early birds are more productive is also fueled by greed, or rather, the thirst for power. This need in some people to exercise the power to control the masses of people, to tell them when it's good to be up, when it's bad to be up, when you're supposed to sleep, and if you don't sleep during those hours, then there's something wrong with you, you have to go to the doctor, and they'll give you a medication for it, which costs money, of course. Now let's look at a different example. New York City subways. They operate with the assumption that everyone works Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 or 10 to 6. Yes, of course. The trains do run all the time, but they run at different intervals. At night, very few trains, weekends, there are always repairs going on, so it's difficult to get from one place to another. During the day as well, you know, they're not as frequent as during the so-called rush hour, which is calculated based on the assumption of 9 to 5 or 10 to 6 workday. So the schedule is optimized to suit the preferred white-collar population working in midtown offices. But that's not everyone. At least one-third of New Yorkers, if not the whole half of New Yorkers, work afternoons and evenings because most of the stores are open from morning to late evening. And then you have all those who clean the offices of all sorts after 6 o'clock in the evening. And there are people who are working night shifts at hospitals, and they are night watch people all over the city. Not to mention the stores and restaurants that are open around the clock. After all, New York City is the quintessential city that never sleeps. Yet, if you try to get to your destination outside the morning rush hours, you'll realize that the trains run less often despite the fact that they are crowded. MTA even schedules some repairs in the middle of the work days, which slows 
down you getting to your your work if you are not doing the nine to five. And then, of course, weekends. I mean, you know, forget about the weekends. <laughs> I sympathize with all of those who need to use the subway to get to work on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you really need to double the travel time very often. Otherwise, you'll just be very late to your job. Now, on the other hand, some industries are relying more and more on home-based freelance workers. Like the translation industry. I have been working as a freelance translator in the US for almost 20 years. Commercial translation has become one of the major global around-the-clock business-to-business service industries. I as an individual linguist, cannot be available around the clock. I simply refuse to have my cell phone on all the time. You know, I'm not a robot. I'm a human being. I ha I'm a human being with my own rhythms, with my own sleep pattern. And no matter what, I cannot satisfy everybody around the globe. So what hours am I supposed to be available? Having my cell phone on all the time so that each time I get a, an email or a text or, or a call, you know, I pick it up even, if, even though it means that I will wake up. Hmm. You know, I, I sit in Brooklyn, New York, and I work with South Slavic languages. Those are the languages of former Yugoslavia, Slovenian, Croatian, Bosnian, Serbian, and English, of course. This means that I can operate on five different schedules. Central European time, Greenwich mean time, Eastern US time, Central US time, Western US time, at least. You know, I get inquiries from from offices in, in, in Hawaii and, and Hong Kong as well, for example, from India. So no matter no matter which time zone no matter which time zone I decide to follow, I'll lose some clients and I'll be late with my replies to some inquiries. It's 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 a given. The same goes with my decision which days of the week I choose to work. So what did I do? I chose to follow my own schedule that honors when I am the most productive for the detail-oriented computer work that is required in commercial translation. I know, I, I say it so confidently right now. Um, it took me a long time to get to the point where I was comfortable saying, I'm a night owl. I'm the most translation productive at night. So don't expect me to 
answer your emails before 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My regular routine when I am left to my own devices is that I tend to go to sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning and I sleep till noon. Then I take some time to contemplate and meditate and exercise, write in my journal, you know, really, really be in that picture, picture thinking mode, dream light mode, which is actually the most creative. And then, then I'm ready to turn on my computer and go to this minutia, one step to the next step, down to earth logical type type of thinking and operating and being detail oriented in that sense. I mean, of course. I mean, if I if I have to, if I absolutely need to be somewhere in the morning, I'll be there. I'll get up, even if I only sleep a few hours, and I'll be I'll be there and alert and you know do what I need to do at the appointed time outside of my normal routine. But in such case, when I get back, I always need to take a nap. But if I follow my own natural rhythm, then, you know, I get my eight to nine hours of sleep. I don't need a nap afterwards, right? But it took, it took years, it took years to, to come to this realization. I noticed when I was studying you with me you know when you're in school any kind of school you have to follow the established rhythm and we started in the morning luckily you with me is that kind of movement that that requires the the dreamlike picture imagination thinking and i was the most happy with one of, if I had one of my teachers who tended to really go into this kind of imagine the the chi energy around you, imagine the etheric force around you, and move from within there. Mm, I was at home. After one hour with her, I was ready to go on. So eight fifteen to nine twenty five, very early for me. But with the right kind of activity, I was able to go on. I mean, I would always still take the nap in the afternoon, you know, to accomplish to the fact that, you know, even though I had to be at, up at 7 o'clock and ready to move at 8.15, I still would not be able to fall asleep before 2 or 3, right? But I was observing and, you know, learning, and I wasn't... First, I was frustrated. I was forcing myself to, you know, go to bed at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock and fall asleep. You know, take uh, take this herbal preparation and that herbal preparation. It doesn't work. That's not how I am. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain further on what's happening in these processes that some people are, are like jump up out of the bed in the morning as if there is no tomorrow and some people are, are sluggish in the morning. But let me just go back for a second, you know, that idea that 
early birds are more productive than night owls. You know, it's it's really not true. Even though I am on a night owl schedule most of the time, I get lots done. I'm a full-time translator, plus I run my soulful business with two blogs, this radio show, and I do all design and marketing myself. I mean, all the websites that I have that you see, that's all my design. It takes hours. It takes hours and hours to do that. And I am. I am a diehard night owl and very productive at the same time. Now, it doesn't mean that being a night owl is better than being early bird, or being early bird is better than being a night owl. It's just different. That's all there is. As I mentioned, I tried really hard for decades. I'm 50 years old right now. For decades, I tried to change my personal biological clock to fit into the preferred early bird scheme. didn't work. But it took an enormous amount of inner processing before I was able to embrace my own personal daily rhythm. And, you know, sometimes I wish I could be different. You know, sometimes I wish I could jump up in the morning. I wish that I could just, you know, like lie down and close my eyes and fall asleep, but it doesn't work that way. That's not, that's not who I am. And in all this inner processing and research, it was actually Rudolf Steiner's insights that helped me tremendously. According to him, according to one of his um, organizational schemes, we are comprised of four bodies. A physical body, you know, our bones, physical aspect that we can touch, which we have in common with the mineral kingdom. Then we have the etheric body, which is equivalent to chi energy field in the Eastern, Eastern terminology. It's also called life force. We have the, this the same. We share this with the plants. Then we have the astral body. Astral body, it's the, the body of perceptions, of feelings, um, of voice. We share that with the animal kingdom. And then there is the I am body. You know, I prefer to use the term, the term I am. Um, in Steiner's literature, you would very often hear the word, the word ego. But it, that's, it's, a different, it's a different definition of ego than you would have it in Freud, for example. Um, you know, to distinguish, distinguish the two, you know, when Freud and other psychoanalysts talk about ego, they are basically talking about our lower ego, which is part of the astral body. When Steiner talks about ego, it's, it's our higher sense of being, our higher sense of I am, our awareness that we exist. So it's a healthy ego. In 
know, we, especially with Steiner, we need to be so careful when we read his work because he's using a very, very unique terminology and we have to get used to his terminology in order to understand what he's trying to convey. Because if we don't do that, that all of a sudden, you know, we are, we see the word ego and we say, oh my gosh, he is like saying it's good um, when Ford is saying it's bad. It, and they're talking about two totally different things, right? And then other terminology, for example, etheric. You know, many people don't know what etheric actually means. However, if I say chi energy, most of us nowadays would understand that because of the influence of the Eastern practices. So we have four bodies. We have the physical, etheric, astral, and the sense of I am, which is uniquely human. So when we fall asleep, the astral body and the I am body leave the physical and etheric body and visit the spiritual world where they are replenished with subtle energies and guidance. Once again, so when we fall asleep, the physical and etheric, it's what lies on the bed. We breathe, so we are alive, right? Etheric is there, because etheric is the life force. But we are not conscious in the same way that we are conscious when we are awake, right? So our astral, we don't speak at night. Yes, I mean, there are some pathologies, but you know, generally we don't speak at night. We don't, we don't feel um, in the way we feel when we are awake. And also we don't, we don't have the sense of I am while we are sleeping, not in the regular sense, the way we, it happens when we are awake. So astral and I am bodies leave the physical and etheric during sleep to visit with the spiritual world. And they get their replenished and they get guidance. So our individual I am during sleep, during the deep sleep, meets our individual higher self. In some lectures, Rob Steiner calls the higher self our individual genius, right? So each one of us, you know, here we are, our I am in waking hours, um, you know, the sense of I am here, I do things. And then there is the higher self, which is just above us, and we meet with that entity, which is very unique for each one of us. We meet with, with him, her, during, during night hours, during our deep sleep. So then when we wake up, the astral and I am bodies merge again with the etheric and the physical body. Meanwhile, when you know, the astral and I am were in the spiritual world, the physical and the etheric go through their own regenerative metabolic process, processes to prepare for the active hours. Because all of a sudden, you know, they're left alone. They can, oh, just breathe. When we are healthy, we can just breathe and relax and, you know, we digest and 
you know, the, our muscles relax. You know, we don't have the boss to tell us do this, do that, <laughs> right? So the process of re-emerging of the physical etheric and astral I am, it's a very unique process to each one of us. For one, this reemergence is quick. For others, is slow. That's why some people are bright and fully awake, ready to, sh to, to run, ready for swift action the second they open their eyes in the morning. And others need more time. Others need time to go step by step from dreamlike conscious state with creative picture thinking to the more practical mode of operating, which is required by the postmodern culture. Now, I belong in that second group, right? If I follow my own way, it takes me time to fully merge my four bodies. And when I have to do it quickly, I can do it quickly. But I get a little bit of a headache. I get very tired much quicker. So if I am, so if I have to, you know, interpret, for example, a meeting at 10 o'clock, you know, some depositions at 10 o'clock in Midtown, that means that I have to get up at 8 o'clock, to leave at 9 o'clock, to be Midtown at 10 o'clock do it I'm gonna do my job very well but by the time I get home let's say like two three o'clock in the afternoon I'm exhausted and I need to take a nap right you know there is nothing wrong with me it's just and I can adjust to the the schedule at hand but it takes more energy out of me it's just good it's just good to be aware of these processes and as i said before neither is better than other we are just different and we need to honor these differences in each other we need to understand these processes you know some people close their eyes fall asleep like that Wake up seven hours, seven hours, seven to eight hours later, ready to go. Others, it takes us more than one hour to fall asleep. And it takes us more than one hour to fully wake up. I really, I really encourage each one of you to observe yourself and note what your personal tendencies are. And I'm warning you, it's not easy. Because we have been so, so culturally conditioned. So you need to carefully peel off layer after layer of cultural conditioning. But if you push away the demands imposed on you as a parent or as a worker, about when you need to be up and when you need to be working and when you need to be, you know, productive, 
So if you push all that aside, what daily pattern would emerge that is inherent to you? Now, it's not something that may happen right away. Now, you would probably need to do some journaling on a regular basis for a while. I was um, very... How would, what, what word would I use? Um, it was... I was very relieved, actually, perhaps, or inspired when I read in one of Steiner's lectures, it was in, it's in one of Steiner's lectures about angels. He says that, this is my paraphrasing, of course, that our daily rhythm is where we can be the most free as spiritual beings in a human body. Our weekly, monthly, seasonal rhythms are still more strongly influenced by the celestial energies. Yet, you see, it's precisely the daily pattern, the waking and sleeping hours, where the worldly powers are trying to inhibit our expression of freedom. Because they are imposing on us what's true and correct, even though, as I said at the beginning of, of tonight's show, it's straightforward observation and, and evidence that that's not the case. We need to wake up from the unconscious slumber of the materialistic existence and consciously choose how and when to be fully awake and active in the world of matter. We have free will. We can do that. But we need to be awake. And the spiritual guidance to help us is always available to us. As mentioned before, during the sleep, we meet with our individual higher self, or genius, as Steiner calls it, then there are spiritual practices through which we can be in touch with our highest self, our star. So there's our regular consciousness sense of I am, then there is our highest self or our genius that we need during deep sleep each night and then there is our highest self which is our guiding star Rudolf Steiner gave us the ERO Eurythmy exercise to connect with our highest self the spirits of light love, life also help us with their energy flow through weekly, monthly, seasonal rhythms. On the weekly basis, well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that the division of time, of days, 
in two weeks. It's actually a human intervention. Now, we decided through Gregorian, Gregorian calendar back in the 15th century that um, we'll have a seven-day week. You know, there were some organization of, of days prior to that. So we have seven weeks in the West, a seven-day week in the West. And Monday, it's a moon day. Tuesday is Mars day. Wednesday is Mercury day. Thursday is Jupiter day. Friday is Venus day. Saturday is Saturn day. And Sunday is Sunday. <laughs> so during the week, we are influenced on that level by the planets. Another thing that is important to mention is that Moon cha changes its, its position with different constellations every three to four days. So that affects us as well. That's why not every Monday feels the same because Moon is not in visiting the same constellation every Monday. So we need to be aware of that. And then on the monthly basis, we have the sun pilgrimage, the sun's pilgrimage through the zodiac, right? So the first of the month, it's not the first day of sun in a particular constellation. No, we know that. You know, it's around 19th, 20, 21st, 22nd, depends on the month. But that's the monthly, that's the monthly rhythm that influences us. And I um, talk more about that in my monthly Eurythmy Musings, where I also introduce Rolf Steiner's uh, 12 moods. Those are particular verses for each month of the year, I mean, each zodiac constellation of the year. And then we have the seasonal dance of the sun, the moon, the star, the planets, Mercury, and all of that also influences us. If you want to listen to more of that about the seasonal rhythm, you can listen to um, my archived radio show from January 15 this year when I was talking about the soul's journey through the seasons. And um, if I go back to the weekly rhythm a little bit, Rudolf Steiner came up with weekly verses in the calendar of the soul. Um, these weekly verses w were were given for the year 1912 and 1913. It was only published once. It's a small booklet. And it's really a guidance. It's really a guidance for the soul week by week. And we, we read... Um, 
the verse every Sunday. It's week by week guidance for the soul's journey through the season, through the year. And it starts, as I mentioned at the very beginning, it starts on Easter Sunday. That's verse number one. And it's kind of a lemniscape that happens. So one verse one and verse fifty two, which was last week, they are they are opposite. And then when we come to the Nicolmas, which is a few days after um, autumn equinox, we have the verse 27 and 26, which are the opposite. So there's this beautiful, beautiful movement in there. And what I do with my weekly soulful sparks of inspiration, I came up with my own verse inspired by Rudolf Steiner. My verse... is not a translation of Steiner's work because I don't know German. Yes, I am a translator, but I don't know German. I don't work with German. I worked with um, um, Hans and Ruth Push's um, English translation of Rudolf Steiner's verses in the Calendar of the Soul. It was a few years back, and I came up with my own verse. And those are the ones that I'm reading at the beginning of each Sunday um, evening radio show. And then you can also see them with the image. It's my sister's image, photography from Slovenia. Um, You can see that on my website, Soulful Sparks of Inspiration. Um, And if you're interested, if you would like to see the Steiner's verse, you can always go to my website. Um, and underneath the uh, the image and the verse, my sister's image and my verse, underneath there is always a link to to online um, place where you can reach Steiner's verse. And there you see the juxtaposition. You know, the verse 52 and verse 1 are on the same page, right? So there you can start working with, with this breath. And if you choose to do that, make sure that you read the introduction to that online version, which is uh, really the uh, the version that was that was published um, way back then with um, then pushes uh, introduction. It's very nice. Um, Actually, I do think I have enough time, so let me read you um, a quote um, from Emerson, actually, that Hans Busch um, includes in his introduction to um, his translation of Rudolf Steiner's Calendar of the Soul. And then I'm going to go on. It's basically just the second half of his introduction. Hans Busch says, There is no better description of the process than the one Emerson gave in his essay, Compensation. Quote, Polarity, or action and reaction, We meet in every part of nature, in darkness and light, in heat and cold, 
in the ebb and flow of waters, in male and female, in the inspiration and expiration of plants and animals, in the systole and diastole of the heart, in the centrifugal and centripetal gravity. If the south attracts, the north repels. To empty here, you must condense there. The value of the universe contrives to throw itself into every point. If the good is there, so is the evil. If the affinity, so the repulsion. If the force, so the limitation. Thus is the universe alive. All things are moral. The soul, which is within us, is a sentiment. Outside of us, it's a law. End of Emerson's quote. Let me just read the last paragraph from Push. So here is Push ending his introduction. What lived in Emerson's mind underlies the style and composition of these weekly verses. And it is the human being who must reach a stage of compensation, of balance between the opposites enhancing the polarities to forces of inner growth and maturity. It is a most invigorating development when it is practiced year after year in faithful succession. By combining the two corresponding verses in the mind, we gain a new insight into the workings of that which is outside and that which lives within. So this was Hans Pusch, his introduction to his translation of the calendar of the soul. So in that spirit, let's actually read. I'll read my verse. Let's read again the verse for last week, the verse 52, and then we'll read the verse for this week. Those are the opposites at that moment, this moment. So, soulful week 52. Enriched by the soul's depths, spirit opens into the world's life, awakening the beauty around us. The universe in turn streams the rays of love onto the earth, imbuing human life with strength from the cosmic spirit source. And now this week, Soulful Week 1 for Easter Sunday, My highest self speaks to me in thought impressions. 
my soul intuits the light and sparkles with joy arising. I reach beyond the shadows with inspired thoughts. Ever so slightly, gently, I connect with the spirit's flow. Those are things that one needs to read over and over again and contemplate. It's not, oh, I got it, here it is, no. It's, uh, it's work, it's work. It's, it's beautiful work, actually. Inspiring. It takes time every day, every morning, every night to ponder these methods. So I encourage you to observe and contemplate and write down your inner feelings, subtle energy shifts daily. You know, what 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 are the patterns that emerge? The daily pattern, the weekly pattern, the monthly pattern, the seasonal pattern. That, that is unique to you. Yes, things will change because you are changing, but there, there are certain, when you go down to it, there is something that is very unique to you. Always note, when do things go smoothly? And note, when, when the life gets rougher. And through the years, you will observe the pattern. Because each position in the ever-changing celestial dance of the moon and the stars and the earth and the planets will influence each one of us, but differently, depending on our own unique celestial makeup, depending on our own unique combination of the sounds in our name of our birth chart. I developed dynamic name Mandela that uncovers the astrology hidden in your name and reveals a fresh dimension of who you are. It's based on the insights from Eurythmy, the art of harmonious movement developed by Rolf Steiner. What we need to keep in mind is that each letter of your name sings, shines with its own color, and vibrates with the energy of planets and constellations. Vowels sing with the planets. Consonants dance with the stars. The stars and the planets witnessed that witnessed your birth always shine on you from the cosmic periphery. But when your name is spoken, the sounds are audible. They can be perceived here and now. So the stars and the planets associated with consonants and vowels enter the world of matter and influencing your earthly affairs. If you want to, you can read more about my approach and, and also schedule a session with me on my website at www.hamoves.net 
hamoves.net and just go under work with Marta. Because the more we are aware of our individual subtle anatomy, the more effective we can become in decision making. When we understand why something causes a negative reaction in us, it's then easier to take a more conscious action or a more responsible way to respond or a more compassionate approach to oneself and others. We can be then more respectful, more appreciative of each other's uniqueness. is as much as I have prepared for this evening, but I would love to guide us, as I do every Sunday evening, through the EAO Harmonious Movement Meditation that connects us with our highest self. It also cleans our chakras at the same time, so then when we go to sleep, our energy flow is cleaner, so it's more easy for us to get in touch with our higher self during the deep sleep each night. Just a few words about the EAO movement meditation. This is the first Eurythmy exercise given by Rolf Steiner to Lori Meyer-Smith in September of 1912 in Munich, Germany. From Hawaiian shamanism, we learn that EAO is the sacred name for the infinite light, the light of the world. The ancient Gnostic text, Pistis Sophia, informs us that the resurrected Christ and his disciples used the invocation EAO to call upon the boundless light of the universe. The EAO as sound meditation arises out of Greek mystery schools, and it's still practiced by some Rosicrucians. However, only in Eurythmy, we move it. It's a gentle movement. I would like to invite you to stand up, me including. <clears throat> if you were sitting, I assume we were all sitting. So... <clears throat> Stand in a comfortable, upright position, feet slightly apart, arms loose by your sides. Imagine you're in your own column of light that connects the highest source of cosmic love in the heavens and the deepest source of cosmic life in the core of the earth. Keep your feet on the ground and gently shift your weight to the balls of your feet. As above, so below, we are standing upright between the heavens and the core of the earth. This is the sound of Gently shift the weight onto your heels while keeping the whole foot on the ground. Lean back slightly, touching the back of your column of light with the back of your head, allowing the angels to support you 
and ache off any burdens you may be carrying. Reeling back in awe of creation and trust the forces of light, love, life to support us. This is the sound of awe. Slowly and gently shift the weight onto your toes while still keeping the whole foot on the ground. Lean slightly forward, touching the front of your column of light with the top of your forehead. The angels are embracing you from behind while you soften your chest and heart, imagining your soul embracing you inside. We stand in the circle of humanity, together embracing the planet Earth each other, nature around us, all there is. This is the sound of all. Gently return to your neutral, upright position. Weight evenly distributed through your whole foot. Ah, oh, and just let go a little bit. Let's do it twice more. Find your uprightness again, standing in your own brilliant column of light. Shift your weight to the balls of your feet. Gently shift your weight to your heels. The whole foot is on the ground. Open your back. above, so below, we are standing upright between the heavens and the core of the earth. Shift the weight to your heels, the whole foot is on the floor. We lean back in awe of creation and trust the forces of light love, life, to support us. Shift the weight gently to your toes. The whole foot is on the floor. We stand in the circle of humanity, together embracing the planet Earth, each other, nature around us, all there is. Gently return to your neutral, upright position, weight evenly distributed through your whole foot. You are standing as a human being on earth, 
connected to your higher self who protects and guides you always. Fold your arms across the chest in reverence to seal in and protect the benefits of this harmonious movement meditation. Breathe, let go, relax. Sit down if you were standing. I encourage you to practice the EAO Harmonious Movement Meditation daily. It relaxes you, makes you more conscious. You can receive the written and audio guided meditation for free if you subscribe to my free newsletters. Just go to my website www.hamoves.net and go under Soulful Tools. And let me know how this harmonious movement meditation feels for you. If you would like to experience harmonious movement and dynamic me mandala in person, come to my three-part Eurythmy workshop at the Anthroposophical branch in New York City. The first part will be this Friday and Saturday, April 21st and 22nd. It's a Friday evening lecture and Saturday afternoon movement session. Again, for more information, visit my website, www.hamoves.net and go under events. Rudolf Steiner wrote, we demand a lot from life, but we live past one another. Let's change that. Let's engage in mindful connection with others through the warmth of the human heart. Tune into the wisdom of your soul. Nurture your life forces with harmonious movement art of Eurythmy. A spiritual practice, a healing art, and a creative expression. Let's walk consciously on the earth. Let's move in harmony. Thank you for listening to the Soulful Sparks Radio. The recording will be available by tomorrow or Tuesday morning online at soulfulsparks.podbean.com and by phone at 701-719-4304. And tune in again next Sunday at 9 o'clock Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We'll explore the insights that the constellation of Taurus can offer us. Have a wonderful week. Soulful blessings to all. Because sometimes all you need is a gentle nudge a kind word to keep your flame alive.